Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Whether you are a regular part of Central Church or you're just visiting this weekend, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, whether you're just here visiting family for Christmas or you got drug here, we don't know how you got here, but we are just glad that you're here. And, and our prayers have been for all those that are going to be attending, uh, that you would experience the love of God and the peace of God in a profound way and, and maybe in a very tumultuous time in your life, maybe in, in a very difficult time in your life, that this would just be an hour where you experience his love and his peace in a profound way. So thanks for being here with us and Merry Christmas. Um, if, if, you're, if you haven't been around, we are in the, in finishing a teaching series called Tidings of Truth. What we've been doing is we've been looking at the, the famous Christmas hymns and answering two questions about those. Number one, why did the author write it? And number two, what's the theological significance? And the song that we're looking at today is the one you just heard, Angels We Have Heard on High. Let's pray. Lord, our heart this afternoon is that you would be glorified. Lord, you know the need of every person that's seated here. It's not an accident that they're here. It's, it's a divine uh, destiny that they're sitting in the seat that they're sitting, hearing what they're hearing. And Lord, we just pray that, that you would minister to each person. You would love and care for each person that's here, no matter what they're going on in their lives. Uh, Lord, that they would feel your presence, feel your power, and feel your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever known someone that was so happy, like all of the time, that they bugged you? They, they, their happiness bugged you. Like you're thinking to yourself, no one can be that happy, right? It's, it's not real. It's not going to last. Like you're just kind of waiting for a bad day to come along and, and see all of that happiness kind of wash away. And it's kind of evil, but, but sometimes we're actually rooting for them to have a bad day, Right? Not a bad, bad day, just, just kind of bad, just a kind of bad day. Like maybe a monster zit right in the middle of their forehead, right? <laughs> or, or maybe scalding their tongue on some hot coffee so they can't taste anything for a few days. I don't know, pink eye, diarrhea, just, whatever like would just suck the joy out of them so that we can feel better about our own miserable lives, right? So we feel better about the fact that we're not happy like, like they are all of the time. The movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, is a story of Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Uh, the story is that a, um, a journalist, Lloyd Vogel, who worked for the um, Esquire. Esquire magazine, thank you, um, was assigned to interview Mr. Rogers. The, the magazine was doing a series on heroes, and they considered Mr. Roger a hero, so they were going to interview him and do this story on him. Well, Vogel was in his mind way above an interview like that. Why, why would he interview this cartoon character guy? He felt like he should have better assignments than that. In the first place, he's thinking, Mr. Rogers, nobody can be that nice. Nobody can be that kind. Nobody can be that good. No, nobody can be that caring. Nobody can be that happy. Nobody can be that joyful all the time like Mr. Rogers, right? But the deeper he got into the interview and the closer he got to Fred Rogers, he realized this dude's legit. Like he is genuinely kind. He is genuinely caring. He's a, he's a good person. And he's happy like all the time. Uh, he, he's joyful. And that's sort of what this song, um, Angels We Have Heard on High, is all about. The, the song is about the shepherds. We'll get to that in a second. But, but the shepherds are being asked a question. Why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? What, what's the reason for your joy? 
is the purpose of this, this song. A little background to the song, Angels We Have Heard on High. Author, anonymous. We, we don't know who wrote Angels We Have Heard on High. Um, in the 1700s, the song began to appear in French hymnals. In 1862, a Catholic bishop by the name of James Chadwick translated the song from French into English. But the chorus itself, the Gloria chorus, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, that dates way back before, way before the song itself was written. Back to the second century A.D., about 130 A.D., Pope Telesphorus, who was the, the eighth bishop of Rome, um, decreed that, that every church, every Catholic church in that time, uh, in their Christmas mass, should, should chant this Latin phrase, Gloria in excelsis Deo, which means glory to God in the highest. And history records that for centuries following this pope, that every Christmas mass, they, they chanted the Gloria chorus, which is why most people believe that this is the oldest Christian hymn, uh, Christmas hymn ever written. At least the chorus dates back to 130 AD. And everything in the song, from the chorus itself to every stanza and verse, it all comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angel had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and just had been told to them. Yeah. So everything in this song comes directly from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. We were having dinner with, some, dinner with some friends last night talking about the hymns and how many of these hymns, the, the theology comes right out of Scripture. And oftentimes when you're singing the hymn, you're actually singing Bible verses. What a great way to memorize Scripture in song. So, so this song, and you hear the title, right, Angels We've Heard on High, you might think the song's about angels, but it's not. It's about the shepherds that experienced the announcement of the angels of Christ's birth. In the first stanza, the shepherds describe their experience with the angels. Here's the first stanza. Angels, we, the shepherds, have heard on high, sweetly singing over the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. 
So they're describing this experience of hearing the, the heavenly host appear before them and the glory of the Lord all around them and this heavenly song breaking forth. And it's so loud and it's so powerful, it's echoing off the mountains and the hills. It's reverberating. They're describing their experience that first Christmas morning. In the second stanza, the shepherds are asked this question. Why are you so joyful? What makes you happy? Here's the second stanza. Shepherds, why this jubilee celebration? Why your joyous strains, your songs, are lasting so long? Say what may the tidings be that inspire your heavenly song. So the question is legitimate because in the first century, Eastern shepherds had very little reason to be joyful or happy in life. And most of that had to do with their vocation, being shepherds. It was not an easy job. It was a difficult job. They worked in extreme temperatures. In the desert, they worked in extreme heat during the day. Then the, the sun would go down and it would cool off. And so they're working in these extreme temperatures. Their job was extremely lonely. They're by themselves for hours, days at a time, out tending their flocks, feeding their flocks, watering their flocks, but not interacting with other people. Shepherds in the first century in Palestine, Jewish shepherds, were considered ceremonially unclean from the community, which means they couldn't participate in the community for a couple of reasons. One, it was dirty work. They were around animal feces all the time. That was contaminating them and, and making them unceremonial uh, or unceremonially dirty or, or uh, impure before the law. But the second thing was they worked day after day after day. They, they, they didn't get the Sabbath off. So they weren't able to observe the laws of the Sabbath. So they were breaking the Sabbath. The other thing was they, they um, couldn't participate in the annual Jewish feasts. So, so one thing after the other, they're, they're violating the Jewish law. So they're considered separate or unclean by the law. It was tiring work, long hours, long days. It was dangerous work. In protecting the sheep, not only did they have to be worried about animals, wild animals coming in and stealing the flock, but thieves and robbers coming in to take sheep. It paid extremely low wages, and shepherds were considered part of the lowest strata or the lowest class in society. If anybody had a reason not to be very excited about life, it would have been the shepherds. Part of what I do as a pastor is I meet with people and I listen to them tell their story and to tell me why they're not happy, why they're not happy in life, why they're not joyful in life. And it tends to be circumstantial. Well, my husband is making life pretty miserable. My, my wife is making life really hard. My job stinks. I hate going to work. I, I have health problems. If, if my kids, if they would just listen, if they would just mind, my life would be a whole lot better. If I had a little more money, if, 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 then I'd have joy. Then I'd be happy in my life. As they share their story, do you, do you know what they're telling me? They're telling me that their joy is circumstantial. Their joy is based on what's happening in their life. Good day, happy. Bad day, unhappy. Good things happening, I'm in a good mood. Bad things happening, not, not so much. And so often our joy is rooted in our, in our circumstance. Not, not so with the shepherds. Uh, their, their joy wasn't based on, their, they had to go back and be shepherds again. They, they had to go back to this crummy job. 
again. And yet they, they had found this, this joy despite what was going on there. Let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, do you spend more time telling people in your relational world why you're unhappy or why you're happy? Do you spend more time telling people in your relational world why you have joy or why you don't have joy? The, the third stanza, in the third stanza, the shepherds answer the question for us. Why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? Let's read the third stanza. Come to Bethlehem and see him, Christ, whose birth the angels sing. Come, adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. So they answer the question about why are you so joyful in three ways. The first is an invitation. They simply say, come and see. Come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come and see what's made me joyful. Come and see what's changed my life. Come and experience with me what I've already experienced in life. Did you know that the shepherds in this song represent all Christians throughout the ages? We are the shepherds in this song. They found joy in Christ at the manger, and then they went out and they invited everyone they came in contact with to experience the same joy. It was an, it was an invitation, come, come and see. Do you do that? If you're a Christ follower, if you've, if you've been to the manger, if you've experienced the joy of Christ, now, now do you go out every day and just invite people to experience the joy that, that you've experienced in your life? After they give an invitation, the second part of their answer is they give an explanation as to why they're so joyful. We found Jesus. These shepherds that didn't have a lot to be happy about, suddenly they were. Why? They found Christ. Christ, the Lord, the newborn king. They found joy when they knelt down before the manger. And again, their, their joy in life now was no longer circumstantial. It was spiritual. Circumstantial joy is joy that, that depends on the circumstances of our life. Spiritual joy is not based on circumstances. Spiritual joy is based on the manger. Spiritual jo joy is based on your relationship with Christ. Therefore, spiritual joy never changes. Spiritual joy gets no different. Spiritual joy is based on God's love for you, which never changes. Spiritual joy is based on God's forgiveness towards you, which is always available. Spiritual joy is based on the peace of Christ that's now available, available to you as a Christian. You, you have peace with God through Christ and what he did on the cross. Spiritual joy is based on your relationship with Jesus, not what's going on in your life. And yet so much of our joy in life is circumstantial. We can, we, can, we can meet you during the day and we can tell what your circumstances are like just by your attitude. Is your joy circumstantial or is your joy spiritual? Does it change day to day or is it the same because it's rooted in something eternal? It's rooted in something that never changes. Now, now I'm getting old. You've noticed that, right? And, and here's what I've noticed in getting older. The older I get, the, the less reasons there are to be happy and joyful, okay? My body's falling apart. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't get to participate in the activities that I used to do. I, I, I don't play basketball anymore. I'm an injury waiting to happen. 
I gave up basketball a long time ago. I, I, I don't participate in, in some activities that, that I loved participating in when I was younger, and now I don't get those same pleasures. If you live long enough, you start out living your friends. You, you start going to more funerals than weddings in life. That's not a, a fun day. If you live long enough, you may out outlive your spouse. You may be a widow. You may be alone by yourself. If you live long enough, you, you may get on a fixed income. You, you may not have as much money as you had when you were working. You may not be able to travel and do the things that you like to do. When you get older, there's some point when your kids, they take your driver's license away. That's not a fun day. All your independence just went right out the door. And now you're dependent on other people to take you places. Getting older doesn't necessarily mean we have more reasons to be joyful, maybe less. So let me tell you about my friend Shirley Hale. Next month, Shirley Hale is going to be 97 years old. Shirley was born in this church. Shirley has attended this church, Central Church, all of her life. Shirley is getting up in age, and Shirley, most of her friends that she grew up with are dead. She's been a widow for over 30 years. Lots of health challenges and things in her life that would, that would not make life as joyful as it was when she was younger. Shirley Hale is maybe the most joyful person I've ever met, despite all of those things, because Shirley's joy is rooted in a spiritual truth, not the circumstances of her life. Shirley Hale has led more people to Christ, hundreds and hundreds of people she's led to Christ in her life. How many of you have led hundreds and hundreds of people to Jesus? I think it's because she's joyful all the time. I think it's because people, you know, realize she may not have the best circumstances, but, but why so joyful like the shepherds? Well, why are you so joyful? And then they get to answer the question, come and see. Come and see what makes me joyful in my life. I, I called Shirley earlier in the week. And I said, Shirley, how you doing? What, what are you going to be doing on Christmas? And she said, well, uh, I'm going to be alone on Christmas, but that's okay because I'm going to see some of my family later in the week. And she's all positive. I'm thinking, you're going to be alone on Christmas. That's not good. And she didn't seem to care. Her joy is not rooted in circumstances. Her joy is rooted in Christ. You, you know, so here's the thing. If you are a pizza delivery person in Sioux Falls, if you are a home appliance repair person in Sioux Falls, if you clean houses and you, you go to Shirley's home to do any of those services and she has people coming in all the time, get ready because you're going to hear the gospel. She's going to ask you this question. Every person that walks in, she asks this question. Do you have peace with God? Is your heart at peace with God? You better say yes unless you want Shirley to get on her high horse and tell you why you need to have peace with God and then hand you books and tracts and say, read these and the next time you're here, we're going to talk about it. Why you need to have peace with God. Because her joy is not rooted in circumstance. Her joy is rooted spiritually in Christ. Can we say the same thing? So the shepherds give an invitation, come and see. They give an exhortation. We found Jesus and then they give, a, a then they give an exhortation Bend your knee, humble yourself. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. Invitation, explanation, exhortation. Come and see what's changed my life. Your life can be changed also because we found Jesus and you can find Jesus too if you bend your knee, if you humble yourself. 
They went to the manger. Remember, a, a manger is a, a feeding trough, and it, it's, you know, a little crib, you know, homemade crib for Jesus. But it says they bowed down. They lowered themselves. They humbled themselves at the manger. That phrase in the chorus, uh, Gloria in a, a Chelsea's Deo, means glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. The word glory in the Greek means weight or value. In other words, place the highest value on God in your life. Put the highest weight. Put, put more weight on Jesus in your life than anything else. What do you put more value in in your life? Job, money, possessions, pleasure, family. What, what, what is it that, that gets your highest praise and you give the highest value to? The secret that the shepherds found was in bowing and bending their knee before the manger. Have you made that decision? What, what if today, like the shepherds, you could experience a spiritual joy that would never go away? What if your life could be changed today by experiencing the true joy of Christmas that was, would be lasting and wouldn't change every day? What if you could do that by simply bowing your heart at the manger and inviting Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? And the answer to that is you can. And he's inviting you, just like the shepherds were inviting everybody they came in contact with. He's inviting you right now to receive him and humble your heart. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? And you might, you might be here this afternoon and you're hearing me talk about Jesus and joy, and you don't have joy. And if you were truthful, you don't have peace. And Christ came to give us peace with God. Are you at peace with God? We say around here you can, you can find peace with God through ABC. You just admit that you've sinned. Man, I've done some bad things, God. I've broken your law. I've violated your truth, and I stand guilty before you. And B, believing that Jesus Christ was sinless. He, he was God in the flesh and he died on a cross to take my sin. And then C, committing your life to him, believing that only Jesus can save you and making him the leader of your life. And if you want to do that right now, you can. You, you can pray, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm guilty. But I pray that you would forgive that sin. I, I, Jesus, I believe you're the only one who can. And I ask you to, to save me from that sin. I, I, I pray that you'd fill me with joy and peace that I'd be restored to a relationship with God today and be different. That, Lord, I could walk out of here with that incredible peace and that incredible joy that goes beyond my circumstances. I, like the shepherds, I may have to go back to the same circumstances, but I'm going to be changed and I'm going to be different and I'm going to have joy. In Jesus' name, amen.